Well, hey, good morning. How are we feeling? Great. Yeah, it is. It is great. I I, uh, I was texting with some folks that left at two thirty this morning to drive down to Mexico. The rest are flying down. Um, so I love it when there are folks that are not at church this morning because they're out doing mission work. That's just, as a pastor, that's like a dream, right? Like our church, there's no one here because we're all out doing mission work. That's, that's an awesome thing. Um, and for those that are here, we have a role and responsibility. I'm going to actually share about that today. Um, this week we were kind of preparing for our sermon and Pastor Jeremy was, uh, as, as many of you know, he was a missionary for, uh, for, for seven years total to Eastern Europe. Five of those was in, um, Serbia. And he said, you know, when you go, you grow. And I just love that phrase. I want to kind of unpack that um, a little bit today. When you go, you grow. And uh, what, does that, what does that mean for us to go? Um, does that mean we all physically go? Or what does that mean? We'll kind, of, we'll kind of unpack that. But I was thinking about what's really happening this year. 275 people during this next week will be on a mission trip. Guys, almost $300,000 was raised to send those on those trips. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's awesome. And um, there are several seniors on these trips that are bringing their senior projects to those locations. I think on my trip, we have four. Um, almost $40,000 was raised from just the seniors for different ministry things we're doing in these different locations. And that is including the 11,000 that was already raised for the Mexico area when they had the bad fire last year. So the Church of Lake Mead, Lake Mead Christian Ministries, we are missional, we are on mission. It is a blessing to be a part of a community that is serious about that. So I just wanna thank you that donated, many of you in this room donated, those watching online to help this make, to make this happen. So I just, as one of the pastors, I wanna just, just give my sincere thanks to those that have been financially supporting these that, that went. So let's cheer for that. That was awesome. So proud of this community. Well, we are, we're in this series called The Way. And as we started this series a couple of weeks back, we have kind of a two-part to this series. It started with really reflecting on what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way. We, we, and that's in John chapter 14, Jesus says that it's, I'm not just pointing the way. I'm not just like a religious leader that would say there's the way or there's the path. He said that I am the way, the truth and the life, that no one comes to the father except through me, right? That Jesus is the way, the path is a person. And in that first part of this series that we unpacked in the month, mostly in the month of January, we really looked at that the, the idea here is that we need to have this intimate love relationship with Jesus. That it's all about him. It's about, I love the way Chris just led our, our church in worship just now. And letting us slow down just a minute to think through, like, I just wanna be here in your presence, right? Like, I, I'm not here for a blessing. You know, I was thinking about that on a prayer walk. I'm going to get a little rabbit trail here. This week, I was thinking, you know, Lord, I think I've just been running into my prayers always with a list of things I need. And I, I don't want to have that kind of transactional relationship with you. Like, I ask and you give, right? I, he wants to give. That's, that's not the point. But I just want to be, I just want to be in his presence and just love him. Can I get an amen to that? You know, just enjoy him. Right? I mean, if your kids, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that is too, too true here, right? If every time they talk to you, it's like, hey, dad, can I have this? And that is our relationship sometimes, right? It's like, don't you just want to hang out with dad? Yeah, yeah, I do, but I really want to go to the mall, right? I mean, that's, that's the relationship. Um, but you know, right? You would want your children to like just want to be around you, 
right? Not just to want what you can hand them, right? So, so that was in the first week uh, or the first section of this series. And now we flipped it over and we started talking about this unique thing that we read in the book of Acts, that the earliest Jesus followers did not call themselves Christians. They called themselves followers of the way. And we made this point that Jesus claimed to be the way, but in the book of Acts, these who follow Jesus are followers of the way. And that's not an accident. That it's, 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 it's I think, really important to see that when you became a Christian, you became a follower of the way. It wasn't just a description of the group. It was a description of how the group lived. They lived in this unique Jesus way. So two weeks ago, we said that the way of Jesus is fueled and ruled by love. That as we walk together on the Jesus way, we need to be fueled by his love. That's why spending time with Jesus, just allowing him to love you, receiving that as a gift, not thinking you have to earn it, not thinking that you have to do anything to be worthy of it, just because he loves you because you're his son, his daughter. He just loves you. So we're fueled by that love and we're ruled by it, right? Like it's the rule of Jesus, right? We live in this unique way. We don't, we don't do what the world does. We don't respond the way the world does. I don't want to re-preach that sermon, but that was that one. And then last week we talked about being a school of love. That this church, that churches need to be places where people learn this. When you come into this community, you are loved. And we are, we are showing you how the Jesus way works. We're empowered by his Holy Spirit to live in a different way. We're made new and, and we're this school of love. We teach uh, one another what it means to love our spouses, our children, to love people in our workplaces. And then today I wanna talk about sharing the love because this is that missional kind of sermon about how do we share this? And I wanna talk about today really having this go mindset that really there is a connection between going and growing and being people who do share the love of Jesus. And I wanna do that by really looking at how this entire church in the book of Acts was involved in this mission. And I wanna set it up. We did get a little preview when, when, um, when we read some of the verses in chapter four. Um, I love how Emma hosts, she does such a good job. Um, so in chapter four, here's the setup. We have the early disciples, the early, we have some of the main leaders, uh, James and, and Peter and James and John, these three guys, but particularly James and, or sorry, John and Peter, and they are walking up to the temple in chapter three of Acts. And, they, and in Jesus' name, they heal a lame man who's by the gate to the temple. And this man is excited about his healing. If you can imagine being lame, not being able to walk, he's healed in Jesus' name. And as a result, a huge disturbance happens. People start to gather um, and Peter preaches a bold message in chapter three. He preaches a bold message. Well, it gets, it gets kind of the ire up of the religious leaders, the, the same group that condemned Jesus, those same leaders, Caiaphas and the rest of those guys. And they, they put, John, uh, put Peter and John in prison for one night. The next morning they're brought out, they're questioned, they're threatened. They make that bold statement that we read. There's no other salvation in any other name except for Jesus and then we note that, that these, these religious leaders are, are shocked that these untrained fishermen can be so bold. They're not trained in you know, the rabbinic schools of the day. Arguably, they had limited you know, capacities with reading even, you know, but these guys, these guys are bold. And I love what they say, and I wanna kind of show you this, this first 
statement here, they, they kind of just kind of push back on these religious leaders. And in chapter four, verse 19, it says, Peter, he says, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or him, you be the judges. As for us, we can't help speak. Uh, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I, I just love the way Peter responds there. He's, he's told not to preach anymore in Jesus's name. He's told not to continue this Jesus movement in any way. And Peter's like, you know, you guys decide, shall I listen to God or you, right? You be the judge. He goes, I know what I'm doing. I know where my decision's at. And he says, I'm going to just keep speaking about what I have seen and heard. And, and I, I like that because it's really simple. I think sometimes we overcomplicate what it really is to share the good news with people. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of saying things because we don't know if we'll say the right things. We don't know if we know enough. And what if someone asks us a question we don't have a good answer for? Uh, and so we, we kind of have lots of reasons to not share. And I really think that's a tactic of the enemy. Guys, these fishermen, these untrained fishermen are giving the clearest like defense. They're just simply saying, look, I've seen God do crazy things, including raise Jesus from the dead. And I'm not shutting up about it, right? That's kind of what they said. So let me ask you, like, what have you seen God do? What have you seen God do in your life? What can you share with people around you? And as we mentioned this last year, your oikos, those eight to 15 people that have a front row in your seat, right? In your life, the people that you do life with, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, you know? How, have, how could you share what you've seen and heard? That's just a, a side question as we get into this, right? And so Peter is, is bold about that. They give him another kind of threat, like don't say anything else. And then they set Peter and John free. And I want to kind of pick up what happens after they're set free. They spent the night in jail. They preached to the, the very guys. I want to make this point. The very people who condemned Jesus is who Peter is preaching to. The very people. So they set him free and they go, they go back to the, to, the, to the church, to the gathering. In verse 23, it says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now notice this response. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. I, I want to imagine us right here. So let's imagine this is us. We're the group. And these two guys come in and we're like, okay, how was it? Like, what happened? You guys were in jail last night. We all gathered and prayed for you. And you're like, oh man, you can't, can't wait to tell you what happened. And so they start telling everything what happened. And they have this, I love this. They have this almost like this spontaneous prayer meeting. Sometimes some of the best prayer meetings are spontaneous. It's like, hey, let's just get together and pray, right? And so, but this prayer is very biblical, in fact, they're going to pull from Psalms 2. It's really interesting what they pray. And, and I want to point this out. So they, they start to pray, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant saying. So they're praying this back to God and they start to quote Psalms 2. Look at what they quote. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Okay, uh, why I think this is fascinating is 
When they come back from this kind of being in the lion's den, right? They come back and they all gather and they go, okay, what happened? Tell us what happened. Man, they told us not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. And, and, and we just told them, hey, we're just going to say what we've, we're not going to shut up in other words, right? We're just going to keep saying what we've seen. And they're like, and they start praying this, this psalm back to God. What's fascinating about Psalms 2 is Psalms 2 is kind of the preamble to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 1, Psalms chapter 2, or Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. They're the preamble to the entire book of Psalms. And what you see in Psalms 1 is the way of the righteous and the way of the, of the wicked, kind of compared. But in Psalms 2, it's this cosmic battle between Yahweh and the forces of evil. And that's what, so it's really interesting that they grab Psalms 2 as their psalm to pray back to God because they are actually seeing themselves as engaging in spiritual battle. I want to read Psalms 2 to you. You'll see what I'm saying. Look, look at Psalms 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? So you can, it's a little translations difference. I won't get into why, but you can, it's the same, right? The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed. This is, this is where they stopped praying though. And I want to read the next couple of verses. Let us go back one. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. This is the next part. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Okay. Now, why is that important? Because Friends, these early disciples, these followers of the way believed to their bones that Jesus was king. That was the message. You know, in the, in, in the United States today, in, in the modern West, we've kind of taken part of the good news of Jesus and left out the other part. The part we all like, and I like too, and I'm not trying to minimize this, is the idea that Jesus died for my sins because I have a whole load of sin that I'm really glad Jesus paid for on the cross. I'm really glad that I don't have a debt before God anymore because of Jesus. But that wasn't, friends, that wasn't the primary message of the early disciples. The primary message was this, God had finally sent the king and he is enthroned on Zion, brother. It was a war message. It was more of a, it was more of a, you know what guys? For too long, humans have been rebelling against the creator. And for too long, it's been kind of going crazy. And the forces of evil have been using humans to kind of whip up this cosmic battle against Yahweh. And brothers and sisters, the king has finally come, right? The victory has been won on the cross and he defeated death itself. So guys, I want you to get this. I know I'm fired up because guys, we're never going to go if we don't have something in our belly saying, this is why we have to go, right? The message is what compels you to go. And so what these early disciples are saying is this, you know, for so long, the forces of evil have been fighting against Yahweh and he's laughing at them. They're not gonna win this battle. There's no one that can even take a, a second, even a close second place to God. And finally, Jesus in, has come to, to, to finally bring the kingdom that we've been waiting for. And so what, what I wanted you to see in this part of the thing is the good news, it declares that Jesus is the rightful king. That Jesus has finally come and he's now enthroned as the rightful king. 
But I want to show you what happens next. And this is where the whole church kind of gets involved. Look at this in verse 31. It says, after this prayer, so they're, they're just praying the Psalms 2 back to God. It says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Now guys, how cool would it be if we had this like kind of the same kind of event where a number of someone from our number was kind of in trouble for preaching. They get out of the, uh, whatever the jail or wherever they were, they're back here. And like, man, how was it? Well, we held our guns. We did not back down. Jesus is our King. And if that's too, if that, if they don't like that, that's too bad. Right. Whatever. And, and we're like, Oh Lord, man, how long are the heathen going to rage? You know, we, we kind of pray this Psalm back to God. Like, you know, you're just laughing up there because people can make their plans, but there's no way that they're going to win. Like whatever. We, we kind of recapitulate that whole kind of repeat, repeat that whole thing. And then after we pray, the entire room shakes. Like, wouldn't that just be awesome? It's like, whoa, like that was a prayer. Like I've been a part of some good prayer meetings, but I've never seen like the building shake afterward. Like that's just, that's legit. Can I say that in church? Like that's awesome, right? But you know what I will say, church? I will say that I've been a part of some really incredible moments and they do seem to always be tied to mission. I just have to say in my experience, when I'm on mission, I see the miracles. It's when I'm not on mission that I miss the miracle. I think it's when you're in this go mindset, what I'm going to explain here in a minute, you, are, you get a front row seat to room shaking prayers. Can I tell you about one? This is our first mission trip I took students on in 2001. And we were going to Venezuela. This was before um, the dictatorship there. I wouldn't go there right now. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was a, an awesome opportunity for our students to go to Venezuela. Uh, it was me, my wife, Mike, and Don, and um, an older gentleman that came with us because they all thought we were too young to take kids to Venezuela. And they were right. I think the board president came with us. Um, Anyway, they're like, no, we need someone to go with those guys because they're only like 21 or 22. I, I think it was like 22. Anyway, um, we were there and we were raising money though. We were trying to raise money for this mission trip and we were short. It was like over $1,000 and we'd been praying. We'd gather during lunch, you guys, with my mission team every lunch and we'd just pray for, for the money for this trip. Well, we got to the deadline right to the end and there was about three or four of my students that had raised, we did car wash, every stuff. And we just couldn't get there. And we had prayed, well, one of the students who had a, a, an uncle who was not a believer, in fact, was kind of hostile to Christianity, at the last minute, for one, whatever reason, decided to write a check to, to meet the, the, the shortfall that those students had. I remember, I have this, like, one of those, like, memories that are like kind of burned into your memory bank, you know? I remember bringing that check in, gathering them in the same room where we'd been praying. And I said, guys, I can use their names, I won't. But I said, guys, I got to tell you something. Um, So-and-so's uncle wrote the check. It was like for a couple thousand dollars, whatever it was. Their response is what blew me away. There was no cheers. There were no uh, claps, applause. You know how they responded? they instantly all started crying. High school kids instantly started crying. And I started crying. I can start crying now because it was so gripping 
They were so just blown away by this amazing provision in the most unlike from the most unlikely source that like, how in the world did that person donate the money for our trip to go to Venezuela? They don't even believe in Jesus and they're supporting us. These kids started crying when they received that, that, that donation. And I started thinking, man, I bet this trip's going to be something special. He's already doing amazing things on the front end. He's already doing things that are like, you can't even imagine that God, he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. Don't we sing that song or we used to, right? He owns everything. And so sometimes when we just get on our knees and we pray because we want to do the mission, God always supplies that mission that he has for us. And I just, I, I remember that vividly. I remember another, another moment, um, in this ministry, in the school ministry's history, we were praying one Friday afternoon. We were praying because we didn't have enough money for the payroll that week. And we, this was when the ministry was really small, it was barely surviving. And then out of note, we had this van that someone had donated to the ministry. And they, we sold the van for almost to the dollar of what we were short for payroll that week. It was another one of those things like, man. So I, what I'm saying is, guys, if you want to see the miracle, you got to get into the mission. Are you with me this morning? If you want to see God do things that are incredible, you want to see God do all these things that we read about in scripture, like it's not going to happen when we sit on our couches. You, you, can I get an amen? No one's saying amen to that, right? Right? Hey guys, it's when we get together and start to pray. It's when we get our heart for the things that God has a heart for. And then we start to see this. Look what happens in the next verse. It says, all the believers, I underlined that because I want us to know, all the believers were united in heart and in mind. They felt, and they felt that whatever they owned was not their own, but they shared everything they had. Guys, these followers of the way in Jerusalem, having some of their leaders preaching at the temple and going to prison for it. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, James will be the first one, the first of the 12 disciples to die. He'll be, he'll, be the, he'll be the second martyr, but he'll be the first of the 12 to die. So this is what's happening to the church, but they as a body, as a group are all in on this. I wanna point this out. I would say this, their lives are testifying that Jesus is King. It's not just their mouth testifying. It's their lives that are testifying. In this, in this case, they're literally putting their money where their mouth is. Like, we believe Jesus is really king. We believe that the, 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 the nations can rage all they want. And God's just going to laugh because he's installed his king. We believe that? Yes. You know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, right? And that's exactly what this community, this school of love was doing in Jerusalem. This school of love, these, these disciples were living in this totally different way. And look what the next verse says, verse 33. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's blessing was upon them all. Can I, can I, can I say this? I believe it was the witness of the church. They gave power to the message of the disciples, of the apostles. I believe that. I believe it was the witness, the way these, these, these followers of the way were living that gave so much more authority to those apostles who were preaching. I mean, think about how it would be if there wasn't a congruence there, right? If there was just a, like a social club of people and then you had these few fanatics like Peter, you know, who were preaching all this stuff, but really all these other people, they really weren't, oh yeah, 
I'll go listen to Peter on Sundays. He, he kind of makes me laugh sometimes. But literally, that's all their involvement was. Like they really didn't have anything more to do with the, the church than attend a service on Sundays, right? Do you guys see how totally foreign that would have been to the early church? These guys are meeting every day with each other. They're in each other's houses. They're breaking bread. They're sharing possessions, right? Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what God wants for this church right now, but here's what I am saying. Every disciple, every follower of the way needs to ask the spirit, how are you asking me to be a part of the mission in my context? How are you asking me to live my life? Guys, we have to stop this idea that I have, you know, my weeks to myself, and then on the weekend, I do a service on Sunday, right? Like, that isn't really following the way. Following the way is this unique way I've, I live everywhere I go. In fact, I'll put it this way. I live with this go mindset. I live as if I am going when I'm at my jobs. If I, I live as if I am on mission when I'm in my, my neighborhood context, I, all, I, I might not be physically a preacher, right? Not all of us have that calling and not all of us have that gifting, but I live as if I'm on mission and I'm supporting the mission of those who are on mission because we are brothers and sisters together. Are you with me today, right? This is a unique way of, of living. In fact, I wanna show you a passage in, in scripture where Paul says just this. Look what he says in Philippians 1. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. This is to a Roman colony where Roman citizenship meant a lot, right? And he's telling these Roman citizens, some of them, guys, I don't want you to live as a Roman citizen. I want you to live as a citizen of heaven. Look what he says. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus or about Christ. And Christ means Messiah King, right? Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Look at this, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news, which is the good news of Jesus. So guys, Paul is saying, look, I want you to see yourselves as a part of this army. Remember that warfare language of Psalms 2, where the, the, the people of the forces of evil are trying to fight against Yahweh? And, and, and they quote that psalm, right, back to God when J, Peter and J, John are coming back from being persecuted. And they're like, yep, it was a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle with weapons like, you know, bows and arrows and spears and guns and bullets, right? It's a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual battle. And so, and so what we read here, Paul is using that same language, you guys. And he says, I want you to fight together for the faith. Fight together. We're all together on this. This isn't just outsourced to certain people. I want to show you what Paul says in Colossians, and we're going to wrap it up here in one more passage, but I really hope this will be something you take home and really take this seriously. Look what he says He's in Colossians 4. He says, pray for us. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Look what he says. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I want to, I want to unpack that for a second. I want you to think about what Paul's asking. Paul is saying, he's saying, you know, guys, I'm going to be preaching. 
Right now I'm preaching in prison. I got a prison ministry. It's kind of funny, right? Um, I, I'm in prison. I'm going to preach while I'm here. And he, he's, he's like, so while I'm here, you that are not in prison, you that are home, would you pray for me? Because I have opportunities and I might not say it as clearly as I should or could. If you pray for me, it'll help me say things clearly to people who need to hear about Jesus. Look at this. Paul's like, I'm the preacher. Will you be the prayer? Is that a word, right? I might be the preacher, but will you be the prayer? And together we're going to be in this ministry fighting for the good fight of the faith in this spiritual battle. When I have an opportunity to, to talk to maybe my accusers or stand before a king, would you just pray that in that moment, I know what to say and I have the right things coming out of my heart. And look what he says in the next verse. He says this, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, I think that's just a powerful thing Paul's saying here, church. He's, he says, guys, I'm in prison and I'm a preacher and I'm, I'm one of the apostles and I've got my special call. He says, but you know, you guys, you have a calling too. And I want you to make the best use of every opportunity that you have in your oikos, in your, in your home group, in your, in your network. If you, guys, if you own a company, think about this. If you own a business right now, how would Jesus run that company, right? If, if you have a, a special opportunity in, in the world uh, to, to kind of lead people, maybe a manager in a company you work for, how would Jesus manage that? How would he care for the people under him, right? W wouldn't he have conversations that are full of grace with people? Even if they're tough conversations, wouldn't he, wouldn't he handle those conversations in a unique way? in a Jesus way, fueled by love, ruled by love. Are you hearing me today? It's kind of quiet. You're with me on this, right? That, that's what it means to be on mission, guys. It's, it's the go mentality. It's I'm going to go to work this morning, but I'm really going as an ambassador for Jesus at my job. I'm really going as a member of the way, as a follower of the way. And when I'm there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a unique kind of person in that environment. And you might be in a job that's really stressful. And so you need to like pray, look, Lord, I'm going to feel a lot of stress today. And there's people that are going to be stressed in my work environment today, right? How can I just really conduct myself in this way? Go back with that verse one more time. Uh, in a way that has, I know how to answer everyone in just the right way. Does that make sense? So this is what it means to have a go mindset. Because guys, if we don't go, we won't grow. And I, I want to challenge you with that. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you came to church this morning and really your mind's a, a million miles from here because you're in a tough financial place and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Or maybe your marriage is in a tough spot and you guys just can't get along. And you don't even know what the next step is for your marriage. Or maybe there's something else that's happening. And it's just dominating your thoughts. Guys, what would happen if we really took Jesus's words seriously that says, you know, the same one who takes care of the lily of the field 
and clothes and clothes and takes care of the birds that need food and clothed all of those, you know, pieces of creation with splendor and grace. He'll take care of you. Here's what you need to do. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What if we, what if we were more concerned about the mission than we were about our own material needs? What if our focus was more preoccupied with what is Jesus doing in my city? I want to show you one last passage where I think a church does this well. And I want to challenge a church at Lake Mead to follow this example. It's in 1 Thessalonians. This is where we're going to end today. Look what it says. He says, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and our father about you, look what he says. We think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's mentioning that this church is known. It's known everywhere for their faithful work and their loving deeds and their enduring hope. Then he goes on. Look what he says next. A couple of verses later, he says, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For everywhere we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't even need to tell them about it. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, they, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And he wraps it up here. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. You know, guys, those who go, grow. This church was known for going. They were faithful. They were known for their good works. They were known for their loving deeds. They were known for their hope that was enduring. They were bold. They were telling the, the world around them that one day Jesus will come back. There is a judgment. There is a judgment that God is, is one day going to judge the world. The, the message we bring is a message of hope, but also a message of fearful judgment that one day the true King will come. And those who do not know Jesus those who have rebelled against Jesus, as the Psalm 2 says, the, the one in the skies will laugh. He'll say, how could you ever think you could actually pull off a successful rebellion? I created everything. There's no way you can win that fight. So don't fight. Surrender to love. The one who gave his life on the cross to take away all of our sin and to give us hope. Church, that's the message our city needs to hear. And when I think about my city, I love this town. I love this. I think about all the needs in our city, all the, all the effects of sin in our city, the children that don't know God because their parents don't know God. I'm thinking about all the conflict that's in our town, all the drugs that are in our town and all the awful things that just run rampant. You turn on the news and you're just like, oh Lord, you want to pray, come Lord Jesus, come, right? But in the middle of that prayer, you're like, wait, Jesus, wait, I know I want you to come, but at the other, on the other hand, 
I know that means judgment. So God, help us until you come to be bold, to tell people truth, to bring them into the schools of love where they can be loved to life. Can I get amen on that? Would you stand with me, church? Guys, as we kind of end our time together, I want you to take an inventory of your life and I want you to be really serious. I know this is a little bit of a serious sermon. I get that. But I want you to be really serious with yourself because not all sermons are you going to feel all pumped up, okay? Sometimes you just need to be really reflective and I want you to ask yourself one question. Here's the question. You might want to close your eyes and just ask yourself this question. Am I really living with a go mindset? Do I really care about the mission? Am I really involved in sharing the love? As I call myself a Christian, I'm talking to those who do. I, I call myself a Christian. I say I follow the way, but does anyone really know it in my circle? Does anyone really see it and if not, it stops today. Come on. Today we make a decision. I will follow the way of Jesus in the way of mission. I will have a go mindset. I will pray for those that are preaching. I will support them in all the ways that are needed. I will not sit by and miss opportunities with the people in my community. I will make the best out of every opportunity that's mine. I will be a part of what Jesus is doing to bring his kingdom to this world. Guys, that means rolling up your sleeves. That means helping the, 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 we cannot, guys, we cannot outsource everything to the government. The government can't solve all of our social problems. That was never the point. The church of Jesus needs to roll up its sleeves and get its hands dirty with the needs of the brokenness around us and bring the love of Jesus to those dark places. Can I get an amen? We need to confront this fentanyl drug problem. We need to love those people. We need to help people that are doing good work in those areas. We need to help those who are hurting with all kinds of homelessness and, and the anxiety and the depression. We need to get into our schools, into these places where these kids are who don't know Jesus. And guys, if we get in trouble for doing it, then that's part of what it takes because that's what our brothers and sisters for 2000 years have been doing. Because guys, listen, we cannot help but say what we have seen and heard. And we will not be silent anymore. So pray this week, church. Pray this week for the mission. If you came to church this morning and, and you have a load of care on your heart, guys, I, I, I can just say that in the middle of those, of, those, of those dark spots, bring those needs to Jesus and leave them at his feet. Bring those also to your, to your care groups, to your life groups and share those needs with your friends. Don't, don't be all on your own on this. Be a part of this community with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to King Jesus. And you, hear, you heard me this morning talk about the judgment. And I wanna make that really clear, friend, that, that, that Jesus is King. And that means if you're not on his side, then there is judgment. And I, I, I wanna just tell, tell you that with all humility, but, but also boldness that right where you are, right where you stand, you need to bow your knee and surrender to Jesus. 
you will not win that rebellion against him. In the end, you won't. And so right where you stand, I, I wanna invite you to bow your knee to King Jesus and join his team. His team's the winning team, I promise. And right where you stand, you can say, Jesus, King, I surrender. I give up my life to you. I admit that I have sinned. And I do know that you died for my sins and I trust you as my savior. I believe you rose from the dead and you defeated death. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you invited Jesus into your heart, your next step is to be baptized. And if you wanna get baptized in the second service, come and talk to me and we'll make that happen. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Make sure you understand it and you can get baptized and declare to everyone that you belong to Jesus. Let me pray for us as we, as we wrap it up and uh, I'll have Jamie close us. Father, a heavy sermon, admittedly, about going. And it's not heavy because the message is heavy. The message is great. The message is awesome. It's heavy, Lord, because sometimes we're so afraid. So God, would you give us boldness to not be afraid? Would you give us one heart and one mind to tell people the truth? God, would you give our lives meaning that we wouldn't live for the next vacation? We wouldn't live for the next, you know, uh, whatever thing that we, that we are looking forward to. Lord, that we would actually live to see heaven kiss earth when Jesus invades by loving the world who's rejected him, sending us with this gospel of peace to bring the good news to our friends and our neighbors. Oh Lord, do this work through the church at Lake Mead. In Jesus' name, amen.